In today's episode, we revisit an amazing testimony of Steve Spellman, what God did with him, healing his body after three gunshot wounds that left him nearly dead, healed in a moment. Jeremiah Gwendu was one of the three of us that prayed for Steve. Jeremiah is a firsthand witness. He moves in power. He moves in love. And we're going to hear not only from Steve's testimony, but from Jeremiah's perspective of how regular believers just like you can see signs, wonders, and miracles like he does. Hello, my Firestormers. Welcome to Firestorm Live. We are excited to share with you the excitement of the Christian life. We're excited to share with you more real-life testimonies from people just like you who are moving in their son and daughtership. The Lord is infusing them with his Holy Spirit, and they are touching the world around them every day, everywhere they go. They are giving the devil a bad day every day, and we're going to talk about that some more tonight, my dear friend, Stephen Spellman is with us. Story, And I got to tell you, what God did in his physical body, the the miraculous healing, which we'll tell again, that God did, you know, he blew away 20 years of, of serious pain, immobility, um, total handicap status. He blew it away in two minutes. The Lord blew it all away, complete healing in two minutes. That is just the that's like the appetizer, though, right? The real thing that happened to him just transformed his entire life. And that's available for all of us. That's available for you. That's available for the wounds in your head, in your heart, in your body. It's available to all of us. This is the birthright of the sons and daughters of God. And we're going to share that today. But wait, there's more. I have my great, great friend whom I love, Jeremiah Gwendu, here with me in studio. It's a pleasure to be here. Welcome. Uh, so Jeremiah and I have shared a lot of the same journey. The Lord gave us both the revelation of sonship and uh, power evangelism the same time. And he's run with it. I've run with it. He is now uh, all over the country bringing the power of the gospel, seeing people saved, seeing people healed, seeing people delivered, set free as a normal part of his life. Um, so we're going to share, and he was actually part of the testimony when we prayed for Stephen here, and uh, he got completely healed in a moment. Uh, Jeremiah was there with us, yep. um, with my wife Lynn and I. So Stephen, let's get started with that, okay? I'm going to set you up and then just Knock it down, my man. No so, so Stephen came into our martial arts school, Savior Martial Arts, uh, interested in learning our adult system, uh, and it was because you were concerned about possibly being a victim of crime. You were handicapped. You were on a cane. You had very little movement, and there were things in your life that said, I need to learn to protect myself, right? Yes. And I'll just yes. tell you what happened from my perspective, and then you carry it away. So... Um, I noticed when Stephen came in to do his introductory lesson, I noticed him moving really slow. I saw this man go past my office window on a cane, and I thought, well, that's interesting. And after he did his beginner introductory lesson, my main instructor at the time came to me and he said, sir, there's no way this guy will be able to do our adult classes, but I really like him. I really want to help him. Can I do private lessons with him? And I said, well, yeah, what's going on with him? And he told me this. He says, oh, he was shot three times 20 years ago. He's got a couple of bullets lodged in his spine, and he can't move, but he really wants to learn 
our adult system Krav Maga. Well, that's very intriguing. He was shot three times 20 years ago. So that's now 21 years ago because this happened about a year ago, Stephen. So that day he came into the school. We started doing private work with you. uh, And I remember you could last like five minutes of physicality. That's right. You were in such physical bad shape. But then here's what happened, guys. Um, A couple weeks later, we had set up your private lessons to be done on Fridays, right? On Friday afternoons. And I just happened to be around and manning the phones that morning, and you called on a Friday. And your call was, hey, I'm really sorry. I won't be able to come today. Um, I got up this morning. I wanted to help my wife. So I got up and I did the dishes. And I got to tell you, I am wrecked. I can't leave the house. I'm in so much pain. I'm going to have to lay down for the rest of the day after doing the dishes. And I remember thinking, well, I remember this man, but I wonder, that's severe. That's a dramatic, you did the dishes. It's not like I, you know, worked in the yard for six hours, you know, swinging an axe or something and I can't move. It's, I stood at the sink and did the dishes. And uh, I remember saying to you, uh, I'd love to pray for you. Next time you're in here, the word says we lay our hands on the sick and they'll recover. I would love the honor of just the opportunity to pray for you. And you were polite and you said yes. And then the next week you came in and Holy Spirit put on a show. So what was your background like? And I just, if you could just set up kind of where your life was, what happened to you, and then we will give God all the glory for what he did. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Yeah. So I came in because my mother my mother had passed maybe two years prior to that. Maybe a little more. But the important thing was I was assaulted by an uncle on the day my mother passed, nearly before she was in the casket. And uh I was disabled. I've been hobbling around on the cane. I'll tell you a little bit more about that. So I was uh I couldn't protect myself, and I couldn't let that happen again. That was very traumatic, especially at the time it happened. And so I came in. That That's why I came in to, to uh, Scott's Martial Arts Dojo to learn Krav Maga to protect myself so that I wouldn't be a victim like that again because that was, that was traumatic. And But I was still walking on a cane at that point, and hobbling on a cane was more like it. So that... I was shot three times by a police officer when I was when I was 19 years old. I had uh, been about to. It was a different time in my life. I was living in darkness. Then didn't know who I was. Didn't know my identity. Uh, didn't want to live another day. And I was re- I was get preparing to rob a convenience store. And at that time, that was that was the course of my life. And th- the woman that was manning the de- the cash register at the convenience store, I knew, and I didn't want to hurt her if uh, if things went wrong there. So I'm leaving to to go back home, so that I wouldn't have to hurt her. And on a com- and a woman across the street from the place where I had hid my bike at a, at another location, another property across the street from the convenience store. That location had been robbed the night before, had nothing to do with me. The woman across the street, she called the police officer when she saw me on the on the property, which I had stashed my bike there, intending to just ride home. Uh, the police comes out to investigate. I'm wearing gloves at the time because I was just about to commit a crime and I didn't want to leave fingerprints. So I threw the gloves when the, when the police officer showed up. He turns around to see what I threw and immediately I pulled my firearm on him. 
with um, terrible intentions. He turns around and sees my gun drawn on him, and he he pulls his gun, and he yells at me to put my weapon down. I was not about to, and he shot me, uh, which he was supposed to do in self-defense, three times. Um, two still lodged in my spinal column, or maybe not because the Lord has healed me, but you, <laughs> you will hear about that later. But one was removed, but all three in my torso, one through my arm, out of my arm into my torso and other two into my torso and embedded directly in my spinal column. So that's how we get to the point where I'm hobbling along on a cane for 20 years. So what was your, what was a day in the life of Steven Spellman? What was your pain level when you would wake up? You got bullets in your spine, you've got ribs removed. I know we've talked, you had more, almost half of a lung shredded and surgically had to be removed. So you have organs gone, you have ribs gone, you have bullets in your body. When you woke up, and we always tell our listeners, so you want to get a gauge on where people are at physically, where that, what are they feeling? So on a zero to 10, zero is no pain, 10 is the worst pain you can imagine. You wake up in the morning, what's your pain level in a normal day for those 20 years? A normal day, having done nothing the day before, just base level, my pain level was a seven. It never, it never was below a seven. A seven. And any, anything at all would elevate that to a ten. And I've been shot three times, so I know what a ten. <laughs> I know what a ten level of pain feels like. Yeah. So I'm being accurate when I say it was always a seven. If I worked, I, uh, I lost about eight jobs in five years. Those first couple of years out of prison, just because I, I couldn't stand up long enough um, to complete my task. But I wanted to support my family. So after working a, a, a typical eight-hour day at the job, at any job, I was doing construction work at the time. The next morning, it was very likely that I wouldn't be able to get out of bed. I would have to roll out of bed onto my hands and knees and crawl to the bathroom to get prepared just to stand up to get dressed for work. Wow. And that's what a, a, a normal day would do to me. Washing the dishes with um, something as simple as going to the grocery store or washing the dishes, would only, which would only take maybe a couple hours. I would be incapacitated for the rest of that oh. day, in bed, unable to get up if my life depended on it. That was a normal day in the life yes. for 20 years. Yes. So he comes into our school and... I remember saying, you know, next time you're in here, it would be an honor to pray for you. He comes in about a week later, and me, my wife, Lynn, uh, who you all have met, and my dear man, Jeremiah, here. We go back in that same intro room, and I remember, Jeremiah, I invite you to play in on Mm -hmm. this. I remember just speaking life, especially Lynn, just speaking life and identity into Stephen, because one of the things he said, guys, was he said, my God is an angry taskmaster. I am like a tool in his hand. Yes. That Mm -hmm. was your understanding of how your heavenly father regarded you. Yes. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. So that sort of thinking... What does that do to your psyche, your understanding of who you are? Uh, where are you in your mind in reference to your Heavenly Father during that time? Amen. So I was a little bit of my backstory. My mother left me when I was about 11, me and my little brother for drugs. We grew up in separate foster homes. We were, we were separated. But I grew up in foster homes for most of my teenage years, the vast majority, in foster homes where I wasn't wanted. And uh, when I finally found myself living with a biological parent it was my father and he didn't want me in his house it was worse 
you know, being in his house than not. If anybody who ha- has ever lived with people that don't want you there or, or family members that just don't have the love for you that mothers and fathers should have for their children. And you understand what I'm saying. And that's how I saw. That's how I felt like the Lord saw me mm. from a lifetime of that. I felt like the Lord saw me like a stepchild, um, like an unloved stepchild, because being a stepchild does not mean you're unloved. But in my case, that's all I knew. My mother had left me. My father had left me. And if your mother and father don't have the natural love for you, you imagine your heavenly father doesn't either. So I was like most believers. I I was just grateful that God has saved me. So you're a believer through this time. Right, so you're already a Christian. So yes. when he comes to us, guys, he's already a believer. Uh, you actually came to the Lord, um, lying on the ground after yes. you got shot. The stars are fading. You're dying. You know you're dying as you're laying there, right? Because yes. you mentioned last week that it took a long time for the police to call an ambulance, mm-hmm. and uh, for whatever reason. But you actually pray to receive Jesus, uh, dying from three gunshot wounds, yes. because you were saying you would rather you wanted to die as opposed to live, living was worse than dying. That was your life as a child, as a 19 year old. Yes, when I got shot, that's when I I got saved. As as Scott said, I prayed for the Lord. The stars was dimming and and I was losing blood. I could tell I was dying. And I prayed for the Lord to save my soul because I knew enough to know that I didn't want to go to hell. And I knew I was definitely dying, but not to save my life because my life was terrible. Mm-hmm. And I've learned since then that your physical circumstance doesn't matter as much as the estate of your heart. People can suffer, you can have no money, um, you can have just awful circumstances. If you know that you are loved, you can survive it. Mm-hmm. But you can have money, the world shows that all the time. You can have millions of dollars, billions of dollars, you can have all the accoutrements of life. And if you don't know your identity, you're lost. Yeah. And I was lost. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of money. I had um, a roof over my head at the time, but I had influences around me of people that were supposed to show me that I was loved. That's what parents do, and they showed me that I wasn't. Wow. So it it didn't matter what I had. I wasn't loved, and I wasn't capable of showing love. I was lost. So it would, yes, death would have been released to me. I didn't want to wake up to that every day. Wow. To that darkness and pain. Well, the Lord had you wake up yes. from that. You ended up doing some time in prison, and there was a backstory in that we won't get into, yes. but the Lord gave great favor yes. and uh, gave you great favor with the judge and people, I think, that saw something in you. I think it's just the anointing of God <laughs> on you because I got to tell you, the anointing that this man carries is beautiful. Um, we'll talk more about that also. But hey, we are about 15 minutes into the show, and if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Firestorm Live. I'm your host, Scott Gilbert. We're on 89.1 FM, The Word in Praise. We're thankful for you giving us some of your time today, and we just want to encourage you. This show is about regular people just like you that are moving in the power and the authority of what Jesus paid a price for us to be as Christians. They're moving in a level of anointing where they're seeing the sick healed, they're seeing um people rededicate their lives they're seeing people saved set free and delivered in the grocery store at the gas pump as a normal part of their regular life and that's what we're talking today with Stephen. Stephen came into our martial arts school um truly crippled truly handicapped because of uh a his historic injury being shot three times bullets in his body uh bones ribs removed parts of his lungs removed i mean you were a absolute train wreck um 
And he comes in our martial arts school. We end up praying for him. And what did God do, my friend? <laughs> oh, my God. So <laughs> he is. <laughs> that, that, that was just the tip of the iceberg of my story, the darkness, the pain, physical, emotional. They prayed for me, spoke words of life on me, over me. And, and as Scott said, when he found out that I couldn't make it to class, God moved him with compassion to pray for me. But I did not expect for God to heal me. I did not come there full of faith. <laughs> um, <laughs> expecting for anything to happen. I was just being considerate. You were being polite. Yeah. And I ref was refusing to be unbelieving because I yeah. know God can do it, but God doesn't care enough about me to, to, mm -hmm. to take that much notice in me. But long story short, they prayed over me, spoke words of, of, of healing over me, commanded the enemy to leave me alone, didn't bargain with the enemy, didn't didn't come to God in weakness, came to God in boldness and commanded the forces of the enemy to, to abandon me. And God healed my back. In I, a moment. I, in a moment. Mm -hmm. 20 years, um, 18, at least 18 of those on a cane. And I have never used a cane since. This has been a little bit over a year ago, but I have never had a single pain in my back since. I've learned to swim, learning martial arts. I just recently took a hike that was about four or five miles uphill wow. a mountain uphill a mountain uh with ice the the entire <laughs> trail was iced over and this is unbelievable for me whom a little over a year ago has to crawl out of bed because he washed dishes mm -hmm. yeah it's a it's a beautiful thing so jeremiah i want to kick it over to you mm -hmm. because you were there that day yes. and you know the guys the thing is when you pray for people you don't know that a miracle <laughs> is gonna happen mm -hmm. right so it's really awesome when we have other witnesses mm -hmm. like yourself that can just kind of go back and we say yeah so what do you remember about that day so one of the first things that i do remember when stephen was the kindest man when we walked in that room before we had even gotten into his backstory he was just that him talking and him getting to know us, you would think there was nothing wrong. You would think he's just a normal guy. And I was just so captured by your kindness. And then when he began to talk about God, it was almost as if there was a dark shadow mm. because of just the thought process. And I even felt in myself, I knew we were going in to pray for him more than anything. I just want the love of God to capture him and, and wreck his identity that he has yeah. and i remember when we were about to pray for him and we asked him can we pray for you the response was well i've been prayed for a lot over these past 20 years but go ahead yeah there was no expectation of anything mm -hmm. and in fact i remember we prayed the first time and the, you got to keep it quick gang this is not like long and drawn out there's no meaths and youths and thouths god does is not a respecter of that um but we do come in the boldness and the authority of jesus and it, the prayer sounded something something very simple like this father i thank you for my brother stephen you love him you love me father i believe you are still setting the captives free i remember saying that to you stephen jesus still we, we worship of God that still sets the captives free. So, Father, you still set the captives free right now in the authority of Jesus Christ. I command all pain, get out. Back be healed in Jesus' name. And I remember saying to you, okay, what do you got? Mm -hmm. Do you notice anything going on in your body? And you said... I didn't feel anything mm -hmm. in the beginning. No like, change. Yes. No change. He's at like, all. nope, to it's be the honest, same. <laughs> not really. Yep. So what do we do then, Jeremiah? What do you do when you so, pray the first time and there's no change? So if if there's no change, you ask them to check it and there's no change, then 
press into it and pray for him again. Yeah, so how many times did Jesus pray for the blind man? Twice. So if Jesus can pray twice, how many times can we pray? At least seven. <laughs> like 200. <laughs> yeah, 200. Know, right? yeah. <laughs> so, so we pray and again. Now, go ahead, mm-hmm. carry on with this. And, and I remember after we prayed for him, and again, you know, it wasn't a long, drawn-out prayer. You know, there was no, uh, you know, preacher prayer. It was just a simple prayer, but commanding authority and dominion, binding up the spirit of infirmity, oh, yeah. and just speaking peace, the peace of God. And I remember when we asked you to check it, you know, is there any difference? No, not really. And then I remember as you were checking it, your eyes got real wide and you said, wait a minute. Uh, Yeah. You Uh were like, I feel odd. Yep. I remember you saying, I feel odd. Mm -hmm. And he's processing. You can feel the processing. And he's like, I feel I feel tender. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? I feel odd. I feel tender. And I remember you had your cane and you came in heavy with the cane. And if you can just talk about your amount of movement you were able to do on that, on your right side. Mm. Okay. So before and then how it changed because you were able to lift that cane after that. Right. Well, I wouldn't have been able to lift that cane above my head for any amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the, the instructor that was working with me, he had to work with me like you would like a five or 10 year old because I wouldn't have been able to lift my leg up high. Uh, If you can imagine the hunchback (laughs) of of Notre Dame, that was me. That was me. That was about the level of of mobility that I had. Uh, I wasn't doing anything. I was a cripple. I guess if you can just imagine a person that can barely hobble on a cane, they they can't, they, they can't fight. They can't lift their limbs. And you couldn't lift your arm really above, you know, your shoulder yes. at all. And I remember that was one of the mm-hmm. things we prayed into. We yep. command the the body to be restored. We command muscles to work properly. Mm-hmm. We command the shoulder socket to move properly on the authority of Jesus Christ. And I remember him with big eyes, mm-hmm. right? And I feel odd. And then do you remember when he lifted the cane up over I his remember. head? And his, he could reach full extension. Mm-hmm. There's a photo on yep. yes. our website. So if you go to firestormunited.org, you can see the show notes for this show. You can see the photo of Stephen right after we prayed where he's able to lift the cane, he's able to move his body, and all of your pain yes. instantly vanishes. Yes. And, yes. and it was completely... I just remember when all that pain went away, there was almost, it it was, you were dumbfounded and there was joy. And I I even remember, you know, you, you folded up your cane, you lifted it above your head and you said, I won't need this anymore. And you walked out that day without using your cane. And then I'm in eager expectation because, okay, I want to see him again. When's he going to come in? I remember you came in the next week and yeah. I was like, oh, he's coming in for his private lesson. Is he going to have his cane? He walked in no cane, and he was just so grateful. Yeah. This newness of life that had been restored to him. Yeah. Yes. And that's the power that our God has. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. In reality, that was the first time in 20 years that I had had no pain. And it, I can't overstate how dramatic it was, guys. It, this is real. And from that day, I have not experienced a moment of back pain. Mm. Not a single moment. Haven't used that cane again. And so 
talk about so you tell you go home and you're going to tell your wife you wait a couple days to make sure it's real i get it there's a skepticism i love that about you this is very organic my friends this is you know this is real yes and but you were saying your body you felt like a you know a, a, a condemned building because the structure on your side so your wife couldn't hug you she couldn't touch you on your right rib cage um so what changed over you know when you went home and told your wife so it was so strange that i didn't tell anybody i didn't tell my family for days because it was just so unusual it was real and to a person that's been that's been in that kind of pain for 20 years to not have it like i felt like something a fluke had happened god hasn't healed me you know this that's this is ridiculous (laughs) but i knew i wasn't in pain so something has happened i just don't know what And I guess maybe three or four days later, less than a week when I just didn't feel any pain and I'm walking around like normal and I'm doing things and the the pain that comes to cripple me afterwards doesn't come. I finally told my wife and my family, which this is a big deal because my family had to take care of me almost like you would an invalid. I mean, I was disabled, um, chronically disabled. And yeah, I don't know what else to say. It was just gone. It was dramatic. It was just so dramatic. It was just gone. And it changed everything about my life because now I I have mobility. I can walk. It's like a person being, you know, raised out of their their deathbed. You can move now. You can work. You can jump. You can have a relationship with your family that involves physical things like running and jumping with your kids. Mm -hmm. It, It just changed everything. I do want to say that that many times you're here, um, Scott, encourage people out there to pray that you have the same power in Jesus Christ. It's a good thing uh, if you'll hear that when he prayed for me the first time, he didn't stop when I said nothing has changed. He prayed again. So, you know, a lot of people will fear going out. What if I go and pray for somebody and nothing happens? That's not an indication that you're that that God is not moving. He prayed for me and then he prayed for me again. And I don't know if that was for me or for him, but God, obviously, the power of God was there. So I just wanted to draw attention to that. And, and you know, of course, if we we get the fear, the fear comes on us. And if we what if we pray for someone and they don't get healed? Well, then look at it from the opposite side of the spectrum. What if I do pray for them? And what if they do get healed? And, you know, one thing I, I liken Stephen's story is when in our natural eyes, when we saw Stephen get healed, it was rainbows, sunshine, happiness, oh, rejoicing, yeah. you know, the full gospel choir in the background, <laughs> praising God. But if you were to flip the script and look at it from the eyes of the devil and look at what happened in his kingdom, it was a nuclear bomb that was dropped. The love and power of God completely destroyed. It was carnage. There was bloodshed everywhere in the devil's kingdom. And that's the power that God has commanded us to go because it isn't for the super Christian. It's not for just the fivefold ministry, but it's these signs shall follow them that believe for the everyday believer. For the everyday believer. That's what we want, guys. That's what Firestorm is all about, is to provoke you. You pray to receive the Lord. You've walked with the Lord. You're praying. You're worshiping. You're doing all the things that the church and the the Word tell you to do. That's awesome. But are you stepping into the fullness? Are you walking like Jesus did? You know, it says in 1 John, anybody who says that they abide in him should walk exactly like Mm -hmm. Jesus did. That's a high bar. 
that's a really high bar. And a lot of people just automatically say, well, I can't do that. I can't heal people. I can't raise the dead. You're right. But it's not you doing it. The word says that the very spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. So it's the spirit of God in you that does it. This is where we can just crucify the idea of ego. This is not for the elite few. This is not for the people that want you to come to their thing or buy their book or follow me on whatever. It's not about that. It's that I am a born-again child of the great king, a conduit of his presence, and every day, everywhere I go, I just bring that presence with me because he lives in me and he lives in you. If you have prayed to receive Jesus into your heart, this is the reality of your inheritance as a son or a daughter. I am your host, Scott Gilbert, and our mission is to provoke the body of Christ to step into the fullness and the adventure and the excitement of walking in the power of the Holy Spirit every day, everywhere you go, and seeing the Lord use you. It's an amazing adventure. Our friend Stephen here is sharing the testimony of how God completely healed him. Not only did he heal the pain in your body, but you were saying that he he restructured the whole dilapidated building that was your rib cage. So uh, are you solid there now? Is your wife able to hug you? I mean, all of it changed? Awesome. Yes, all of it. So I've had 40% of my right lung had to be removed, two ribs, I believe three, but definitely two. So the right side, my right, my entire body was constantly in pain, but my right side where I've lost most of my ribs, the reason I couldn't lift the cane above my head. And it also just made, it, no one could touch me there in my injury. Like my wife, she she knew that she, she couldn't touch me there because it felt like, like as Scott said, a condemned building. Like if you take out some of the support joists out of your house, you could just knock it over. A child could just knock a wall over. That's, that's how I felt perpetually. And um, it was because it was ribs missing and your ribs are literally the support beams of your torso. So after God healed me, he may very well have grown those ribs back because now I have no problem. I want to say I'm as good as a normal person, but I mean, I am better. I am in better shape than I was before I got shot as a teenager. Wow. I'm able to do things now at 41 years old. I couldn't do 18, 17 before, you know, gunshot wounds and all of that. But my wife couldn't even touch my injuries because they were just so painful. And now she can. <laughs> now, now she can. Now, and all this yes. happened in a moment. Yes, this was in a moment. Honestly, guys, this whole experience was probably twenty minutes yes. we spent mm-hmm. together. Um, my wife Lynn really carried did most of the heavy lifting, I would say, and she just spoke life into you. I remember her saying, you can watch the show last week on our on our Facebook on and on our firestormunited.org. You can look at last week's show if you want to check out more. And I just remember Lynn saying that this spirit of compassion welled up in her when she heard you say, my God is a harsh taskmaster and I'm a tool in his hand. And my little wife puts her hand way up on this Mm -hmm. big man's chest and just speaks life into you of who you are in Christ. And I think that's what broke Mm -hmm. the the anointing just flowed out of that love. So let's get to the real miracle, Stephen. Mm-hmm. All right. If so, you're completely healed. You are now working out. You're in the gym. You've lost nearly a hundred pounds in a year because you're able to be physical again. Yes. Um, you're 
your whole life has been transformed. So often I tell people when we pray for them in the world and, you know, they experience a change, their knee is healed, their hip is healed, they, you know, their short leg grows out and their back pain goes away and their scoliosis cracks into place, all these things. I see all these things. I often would say to them, that's Jesus. He loves you. That's Jesus showing up right now, letting you know how much he loves you and what he just did for your back he wants to do for your entire life. He did do it for your yes. entire life. So yes. what's the rest of the story? What's the real miracle? Oh my God, this is the exciting <laughs> part, guys, because that miracle was dramatic enough. Like God just, he might as well have raised me from the dead, but he did raise me from the dead spiritually. This, um, knowing my identity in Christ, it's, it's, it's the difference between being an unloved stepchild and being the most the favored child that's what it's done to my life i i i'm the breadth of what identity has given me because even with a healed back if if i believe god saw me the way he saw me then i wouldn't expect anything of god i expect everything from god now i know that my lord loves me i know that that my king rushes towards me uh i know that i am a child of god it has changed everything. I guess that's the best way for me to quantify it. I, I pray and take, take. I pray and take control over my life. I don't. I don't let the enemy convince me that I'm unloved. The identity portion, to all of our listeners, is what will transform your entire life. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have the confidence to move in love, to move in power evangelism, to see people healed and see people saved and see people delivered in the UPS store, in the Starbucks, in the Kroger. I mean, I've seen all of these. You're not going to have that confidence, though, until you get a hold of how your Heavenly Father sees you. Jeremiah, could you talk about that? Just speak into the identity. So <clears throat> it says in First John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we might be called the sons of God. And it's so important to not only know but abide in your divine identity of being a child of God. Because oftentimes if we if we know that we have this power, this authority, oftentimes it's it's we have we feel like we have to do things to be a child of God. I have to do this, I have to do that so that my father will love me. But in all reality, it's abiding in intimacy with God. And from that place of intimacy and abiding with God, you go forward. Because if you go from a place of where I have to go and pray for people to get my miracle, or I have to go from miracle to miracle to please my God, Mm. you're in a work-based relationship. But if you are in a place of abiding and from my place of sonship, then miracles come out of it. It's not, I have to go do miracles so I can be a son, but because I am a son, I can do these miracles. See, Jesus showed what it looked like, 100% God, 100% man, as a man, what it looked like to walk in the fullness of the identity. And he said it as an example for what we can do. And when we realize that everything Jesus did, we can do, he did as a son of God, we can do the same exact thing. And that is just scandalous to so many people. Mm-hmm. I am very confident there are some of you that just shut off your radio mm-hmm. and are like, I'm going to go watch something else because that is scandalous. Mm-hmm. The scandal of the cross 
for this reason, Jesus came into this world to to destroy the works of the devil. But, you know, he said, Jesus said, uh, I can't do, the Son of Man can't do anything on his own. I only see what I, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. He couldn't do anything on his own. And, and I don't know for you guys, but for me, I came up with a theology of I am a sinner. I need a Savior, which is true. But I am always a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Mm-hmm. But I always have a mentality of I am a sinner. My identity is I am lost. I need a Savior. That's true. However, that's before the cross. After the cross, it says things like, well, I'm just going to throw some identity scriptures at you. Second Corinthians 6.21, God made him who had no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wait a second. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that when I became a Christian, I had a supernatural change. I am no longer a sinner because Jesus paid for that. I am now a saint. I am now the righteousness of God. That sounds scandalous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's what the Word says. That's right. And once you get a revelation of how the Lord sees you, it will revolutionize your confidence and will revolutionize, I believe, it'll, it'll be the thing that breaks. It's the breaker anointing that's going to break out, and the Lord is going to use you. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So if you have crossed over from death to life, join the army, my friends. Let's go. Let's run with this thing. That's what Firestorm United is all about. We just want to unite and encourage you to run with this. If you're intrigued by this, we want to invite you. We have a power activation seminar coming up on March 12th and 13th, Friday night and Saturday. We're going to be at Calvary Assembly of God in Virginia Beach, and it is a four-session, day-and-a-half-long equipping seminar. Now, what does that mean? That means we are going to coach and teach and show through testimony exactly how to do this. There's not a formula, but there is a process where you learn how to command the body for healing, how to hear God's voice for other people, how to move from a healing into a salvation. How do we do that? How do we break the ice? How do I communicate with the lady behind me in the in the grocery store line without being a weirdo. (laughs) There are ways, right? This is what we're going to teach you. And the folks that are speaking are folks that walk in this every single day. They are anointed and we can pass on the anointing. So if you would like further information, we would love to have you Friday night, March 12th and Saturday, March 13th. We will be at Calvary Assembly of God in Virginia Beach. So here's how you find it. Look for it on our website, firestormunited.org. You can click on there for all the details. You can get tickets, get on the list. We would love to have you. So please let us encourage you and come run with us. So Jeremiah, as we're talking about Stephen's uh, experience and the way the Lord just changed and moved his entire life, I know you are moving in this all over the country. So what's a day in the life of Jeremiah Gwendu? Well, now, you know, it's 
it's not just about going out on outreach everywhere, but everywhere you go, you have Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so I remember just a few weeks ago, just for instance, off the top of my head, while I was in um, Louisiana, we had walked into a store and the gentleman who was at the store, he was um, just helping myself and a friend of mine. He was helping us out and he was just so kind and so helping at the end. of, We didn't end up even purchasing what um, we were going there to see. And but he was just so kind and so loving. And I asked him, you know, can I you were just so kind. Can I just pray a blessing Mm -hmm. on you? Can I just pray for you? And it's just everywhere you go out of your intimacy with God, there will be an overflow into everyone's life around you. And so I think that's one of the most important things is just everywhere you go, not looking to people so that they can be your project to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, but looking at people. If Jesus was here right now, what would he say to them? If Jesus was here right now, how would he pray for them? And if how whatever comes to your mind, then that's what you do. Because we were designed to be the hands and feet of Jesus everywhere we go, designed to be his mouthpiece. Because everywhere, there are Stevens everywhere. There's Stevens in the Starbucks. There's Stevens in the grocery store. And there are people who are waiting to be reached. But we have to be love in action and yeah. go out and reach them. I love that. Mm-hmm. So, guys, the if, if there's a way to do it right— Okay. Well, let's say if there's a way to do it wrong, it's anytime you make it about you. Okay. It's not like we hang out in the Walmart and we look for people limping like you're, you know, looking for like game on the Savannah. It's not that. And if you are doing it that way, stop, stop it. Right. The idea is just say this prayer in your heart before you go anywhere. Like, Father, you love me. You live in me, and you want to touch this world today. Would you just give me your eyes to see people the way you do? And then go do life. Mm -hmm. Go to the coffee shop. Go to the grocery store. Go to the bank. Do you. Whatever you got. Just do life. But if you start with the mentality of, Father, please, thank you, Lord, that you live in me. Give me your eyes to see people. But then when he does... There is now a duty on you, right? And I believe if you want to see the Lord use you more, as you step out more, it will get more natural. And as you show your obedience, he will use you more. So, mm-hmm. Jeremiah, what does that look like when I am um, – somebody's highlighted. Um, what does it look like when I say, okay, Lord, give me your eyes for people? How do you know when he's doing it? So oftentimes, one of the first things I recognize is when I do feel someone's highlighted, there's a fear that comes on me. So the evidence of God highlighting someone is you're afraid. Oftentimes, it's not necessarily my fear, but what I'm experiencing is the fear of the enemy. The enemy has a bad day every single day. The enemy gets an F on his report card all the time. And so (laughs) the enemy is afraid of what's going to happen when I go and pray for this person. And so oftentimes when I begin to feel that fear, my hands start to begin to get sweaty. Maybe I feel something in my chest. If my flesh doesn't want to do it, that is almost affirmation and confirmation. That's exactly what I need to go do. I need to go pray for that person. And so crazy thoughts will come into your mind. You're going 
sweet old lady you go and pray for and all of a sudden you think oh she might hit me in the face that sweet old lady is not going to hit you in the face but then when you go up to them it's not thus saith the lord of hosts i have this word for you if you be loved to these people because perfect love casts out all fear if you will be love and excuse me just maybe you get a word of knowledge for them random question that's a great one i learned from scott random question do you have pain in your back and the biggest thing don't be the weird person don't try to be overly religious or use religious jargon that people in the world aren't going to understand just be normal be loving to people amen so yeah sometimes so what jeremiah is saying is that when we feel when we feel, I call it the fear of man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, what are they going to say? I'm nervous. I don't want to go up to the stranger. I'm an introvert. I am the natural guys. I'm a complete introvert. I don't want to go talk to strangers. I'm good. My Same. wife can do that, but I'm just going to like stand next to her and smile. Mm-hmm. Well, that is the natural me because the spirit me, I know that I am made mm-hmm. for love. I am built for love. I am I am to be used as a conduit of the Lord's presence to hurting people and destroy the enemy's kingdom with love mm-hmm. every day, everywhere I go, right? Mm-hmm. So when I feel that nerviness coming mm-hmm. on, I don't want to go talk to that person. I've, I felt it with you, Stephen, that day you called. Way. That day, and I was like, eh, it would be really easy for me to say, oh, you did the dishes, you can't come to class. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'll tell you know, mm. the sensei you won't be here. But there was a part of me that thought, no. I'm not going to let this one go. And I was nervous because you could have thought it was weird. you know. It, um, but I said, hey, next time you come in here, the word says that we are to lay our hands on the sick and they'll recover. So it would just be an honor. If you don't mind, next time you're in here, if I could just pray for you real quick um, because the Lord will touch you. And I throw it out there. I'm bold because the Lord will touch you. He loves you. He'll heal you. And some of you listening are thinking like, whoa. That's bold. Don't mm-hmm. put that out on God because that's testing the Lord. Is that testing the Lord, Jeremiah? Is that something we should not do? Or is that the that, activation of faith that actually calls it forth? That's what I would call putting Jesus on display. He gave us this power. And oftentimes, if you want to see faith operate, you have to take risk. Oh. So the, how do you spell faith? R-I-S-K. I think that's what faith looks like in 21st century world it looks like stepping out of your comfort zone into an awkward place and seeing the lord backfill it mm-hmm. so going to that person and just you know, you're standing in line at uh right aid and there's somebody behind you and you're waiting in line and you just turn and say hey how's your day mm-hmm. and they say uh, you know it's good Hey, um, sometimes God highlights people to me, and I feel like he's just shining a light on you right now. Hey, can I just pray a blessing on you real quick before we go? Really easy intro. I have never had anybody say no. And then you just pray a quick prayer. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what they need. Sometimes I'll ask them, hey, do you have any pain in your body? Often they'll share, oh, yeah, my left knee is killing me. I had an injury. I you know, fell off a motorcycle when I was a kid and you know, this or that. And I just go right for it. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for a Holy Spirit presence. Right now, in Jesus' name, I command right knee be healed. All pain go on the authority of Jesus Christ. You love this man so much, Lord. Would you just fill him today let him know how much you love him? In Jesus' name, amen. And you make it short and sweet. And then you just get used to it, and the Lord does stuff. So as we're – we've got about 12, 13 more minutes, Stephen – 
So after this happens, your body's completely healed. Yes. Your mind starts changing. Yes. You start seeing yourself as a loved, dearly loved son yes. of the great king. I remember you said to me, a lot of people are in a prison. The door has been opened, but they're still in the prison. Yes. They can get out, but they don't leave. Yes. And you had mentioned that that is knowing their identity in Christ. Yes. But you can stay in your prison, the four walls and the, the stone. But I believe that in the way that you're comforted, you become a comfortor. Amen. You have been radically transformed. Your body dramatically healed. Your mind, the anointing that this man carries, though, as a breaker anointing to break off chains of people. You are like the chain breaker, my man. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So just speak to the people that are listening right now about breaking those chains off, chains in their mind, chains of how they see themselves, the lies that have been spoken into them by family and loved ones and people they cared mm -hmm. about. Uh, break some chains, dude. Amen. So it's many of us out here that, that this is, yeah, what really excites me because God healed my back. But if you live in a world, we're not taking full advantage of, of the salvation that Christ died for. How many of us out there, we, 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 we believe God loves us in a far off sense, which will cause problems uh, with you going to try to pray for other people because God doesn't take notice of you that much. How He's going to bless you and grant you mm -hmm. to, to go out there and, and speak healing over other people. So the major thing that I would say that, that that identity gives to you, it takes away from you that shame, that guilt, that 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 heartbreak that people in the world have given. Because my mom couldn't fulfill, I mean, my mom and my father were not typical of a loving mother and father, but even if they had been, they are not a, the clearest image of how much Jesus Christ loves you. He came down from heaven and went to the cross for you. It wasn't a reluctant thing. Mm -hmm. Um, he adopted us as sons and daughters. A stepchild, you don't choose. But in adoption, you go and choose that. God sought you specifically. It wasn't a mass thing. He saw you. He left the 99 for you. Mm. If that sounds far-fetched, then that's because the enemy doesn't want you to see how God really sees you. I lived for many years like many believers, just holding on bare knuckle till I get to heaven. You, you suffer through your ailments. You suffer through your day-to-day. -day. You don't expect peace. You go home, and you smile for the crowd. You, you, you play the game when you're out in public, and then you go home with a broken heart and no hope. And you get up, and you go to church, and you sing the praise and, and worship things. And then you go home not knowing what you're, what you're going to do, how you're going to make it through another day. And that is not an indication of what God feels for you. Like, where I came from was not how God feels for me. For me, salvation is like a party. Now, I, I do have a life. I'm a person. I have difficulties. But God loves me so much that he didn't invite, he didn't save me so I could take up a corner in his house. This is my home. Mm. When God when God saved you, he didn't save you so you could just hold on to him till you die. He saved you so you could know his great love for you right now. So you could know who you are. So when you wake up in the morning, even if things are difficult, you know that you are loved, which makes all the difference in the world to anybody that knows that they are loved. You don't, guilt doesn't rack you. You're not led by fear. Uh, yeah. 
you just you have a freedom. As he was saying, there are people in prison. I was in prison, literally. There are people who are fought to be in prison that I've met because they're scared of the outside because they don't believe that they can make it out there. And, and many of us live like that. We don't believe that God wants the best for us, that God just wants us to survive until we die. And that is not what God wants. That is not all that Jesus Christ died to give you. Jesus Christ died to give you worth. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. died to give you identity and he died to give you love. It is that love that you take with you when you go pray for other people. It is not that you go out and you manipulate this stuff. You you, yeah. you don't manufacture it. Mm-hmm. What Scott goes out and does is is he does that. He shows people the love that God has shown him. Yeah. He He's just showing them what God has shown him. God left the 99 to seek him. God sought me. God put it upon his heart because God loved me. And it's just just stop generational curses. Like for me to be whole means that my family won't grow up. I know enough to teach them Mm -hmm. that no, God loves you. Not loves in a general sense that God loves you. God is intimately interested in you, Mm. in you, not he is interested in the whole body, but he left the 99 for you. And that really sums up God's love to me. Do you think that God, if do you, do you have an image of God that he would leave all of us to get you, not to get you and your family, that he would come out into the, into the rain, into the weather, into the elements mm. to seek you mm. above all else. If that sounds strange to you, then you, you don't know the love of God. And I don't say that to, to inspire guilt. I say, I say that because it is time for you to meet Christ. Amen. Amen. And, and to know what God, how God really feels about you. So, yeah, let's just pray for a revelation of the love of God. Now, I do not pray for people they would feel the love of God. Amen. Because we do not walk by feelings. Mm-hmm. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Mm-hmm. So the word says that Jesus left the 99 yeah. for the one. You're the one. The word says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased. It makes him really happy <laughs> to give you the kingdom. So what we do at times like this, no matter how I feel, is we say, Lord, you said that you left the 99 for the one. You said that it's very, it makes him so happy to give me the kingdom. I thank you, Father, that you give me the kingdom because you love me so much. You just speak back what he says about you into your heart, into your mind, and you are speaking truth. Anytime you speak the word, you are speaking truth. Jesus is the truth. Amen. First Thessalonians 5, 5, you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. You've crossed over from death to life. Were you a sinner? Yes. But now the word says you're a saint. You have crossed over. You're not that same thing. Jesus paid the price. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness, right? So Jeremiah, could you just pray into folks to get a revelation? Of course. Uh, if you don't mind, I want to share a verse real mm-hmm. quick. Sure. 
as Colossians 1, 21 and 22, even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf mm. so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. That's how he sees you. That's how mm. he sees you. Oh, hallelujah. So, Jesus, I just thank you for your grace and your loving kindness. Now, right now, by the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, I just break off any, any mindsets, any mental hindrances that would be on these listeners' minds that could be hurting them, any thought patterns that would be negative, and I just release the peace and the love of God. I release the revelation of our divine sonship and our identity of who you are. I speak, Lord, that you would just begin to speak to them even more, more clearly, Lord, and that they would walk in the fullness of who you have called them to be everywhere. I break off the chains of bondage, and I speak freedom right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. So we just join together and we thank you, Lord, for a manifestation of freedom, freedom in the mind. I speak just breaking of chains and release of the captives, Lord. Give them a revelation of how you see them, that this army would rise up in power and authority in Jesus' name. We are almost out of time. I want to encourage you that there is more. We would love to see you activated. That's what we are all about. We're about activating the body of Christ to step in the fullness. Let's give the enemy a bad day every day. This is what Jesus came to pay a price for. There's more. If we can be of service to you, please send us a message on Firestorm United on Facebook. And also you can get to us on our website, firestormunited.org bless you guys. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to the Firestorm podcast with your host, Scott Gilbert. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen. If you're looking for more about the Firestorm equipping ministry, you can find us on the web at firestormunited.org. We're also on Facebook at Firestorm United. If you'd like to partner with us, equipping the body of Christ for revival, you can give on our website, firestormunited.org. All donations are tax deductible. In our next episode, we meet Calvin Allen. Calvin will teach us how the interpretation of tongues is something available today to every believer, how you can hear it, how maybe you already speak in tongues, but the interpretation of tongues is the next level. Tune into this next show and you will hear the testimonies of an amazing man of God that will help you level up in moving in interpretation of tongues.